Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. Today is Monday, October 30th. Coming up, the Speaker of the Missouri House is taking heat again, especially from some in his own Republican Party, this time for double-dipping on travel expense reimbursements. What does the flare-up tell us about the state of the Missouri GOP and next year's fast-approaching elections? But first, it's our weekly look at the top government and politics stories from both sides of the state line. Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is expected in Kansas City today to defend controversial ballot language he wrote for six proposed abortion rights measures. As KCUR's Lisa Rodriguez reports, that's one of two cases under review. The ballot measures aim to make Missouri's abortion ban less restrictive. Three judges from the Western District Court of Appeals will consider Ashcroft's language about, quote, dangerous, unregulated and unrestricted abortions, which a lower court judge called argumentative and unfair. A separate panel will hear another appeal challenging the state auditor's estimate of the measure's financial impact. Abortion opponents want the proposals to be listed with a cost of billions or even trillions of dollars. These disputes are delaying the advocates' efforts to collect signatures to get the proposals on the 2024 election ballot. Once the legal battles are resolved, they'll have to try to collect 171,000 signatures by early May. Kansas remains one of just 12 states prohibiting all uses of marijuana. But as Dylan Lyson of the Kansas News Service reports, a survey out of Fort Hayes State University shows broad support for legalizing it. The Kansas survey shows more than two-thirds of people are in favor of legalizing recreational marijuana. And more than 60% say they would support lawmakers who back medical use. Shell Cumberg of the Kansas Cannabis Coalition advocates for medical marijuana. She says the Kansas House passed a bill in 2021, but the Senate Republican leaders blocked it. We get support from quite a few legislators, but the ones that are in power are not supportive and they don't let it go forward. Republican Senate President Ty Masterson has said medical marijuana is useful, but the state must craft a law with tight regulations. In each of the last five years, Democratic Kansas Governor Laura Kelly has called for expanding Medicaid. And each time, the Republican-controlled legislature has said no. Kansas remains one of just 10 states not to expand the program and claim federal funds for health care for low-income residents. As Rose Conlon of the Kansas News Service reports, some Wichita area leaders say expansion could save Kansas law enforcement agencies millions of dollars. Kansas jails are required to pay health care costs for uninsured inmates. Sedgwick County law enforcement leaders say those costs would drop if more Kansans were insured under Medicaid expansion. Sedgwick County Sheriff Jeff Easter says expansion would result in federal tax dollars covering more of those costs. Rough estimates when we took a look at it, you know, somewhere maybe 1.5, million, somewhere around there. Seventy percent of Kansans, including 55 percent of Republicans, support Medicaid expansion, but legislators appear unlikely to pass it next session. And the field in the Missouri governor's race has gotten a little bigger. As Jason Rosenbaum reports, Springfield businessman Mike Hamra's announcement last week puts him on a collision course with another Springfielder, the top Democrat in the Missouri House. Hamra runs Hamra Enterprises, which operates Wendy's, Panera, and Noodles and Company restaurants. He says he wants to use his business experience to attract jobs and improve educational opportunities. 
Hammer will be running in the Democratic primary against House Minority Leader Crystal Quaid, who has endorsements from key labor unions and environmental groups. Hammer says he can appeal to the Democratic base. I'm running for governor because uh, I believe I'm the best candidate to put our state on a path you know, towards greater opportunity and prosperity. Missouri Democrats haven't held the governorship since 2017 and have only won one statewide election since 2014. There's more Kansas City Today ahead. Stay with us. Things haven't been going so well for Missouri House Speaker Dean Plocker this month, even as he officially launched his candidacy to become the GOP nominee for lieutenant governor next year. First, Plocker took heat for behind-the-scenes efforts to hire a private contractor to do something already being done with government software, conduct that longtime legislative staffers called potentially illegal and unethical. And then last week, the Missouri Independent reported that Plocker had sought and received reimbursement from state funds for expenses that his campaign had already paid him for. The revelations drew sharp rebukes from fellow Republicans, some of whom are also running for office next year, even including calls for his resignation. So what's going on, and what does it say about the state of Missouri's Republican Party, even as it dominates the executive and legislative branches of state government? I spoke with Jason Hancock, the editor-in-chief of the Missouri Independent, about the story. Jason Hancock, you broke the story last week uh, about all of this. Remind us what Dean Plocker did or failed to do. So a review of about 300 pages of his expense report showed that on at least nine occasions, he charged the state for travel, things like airfare, hotel, rental cars, conference registrations that he had already paid for with his campaign. Uh, the problem with this is um, you can use your campaign to pay for official business. That is legal. And you can conduct official business with your own money and then get reimbursed. But you can't do both. That's right. everyone sort of refers to it as double dipping. In a more legalistic term, it would be called stealing, though. Right. And of course, a lot of us have maybe made an error in filing expense reports. I mean, do you have any evidence that he did this intentionally, that he was trying to steal? Or does this seem to more be acts of carelessness? Well, his argument is that it's an administrative error. And so it's just a matter of what you choose to believe, I suppose. You know, the critics of his are saying his wife is his campaign treasurer. He's done this numerous times over years. You know, $1,000 for an airline ticket is usually not something that you forget that you didn't pay for. But he insists this was just careless bookkeeping, that once he realized what had happened, he started to take steps to remedy it and pay back the house. And so far, he's paid, uh, at least as of today, about $4,000 back to the house in order to reimburse some of these misappropriated reimbursements. How did you find this out, by the way? So we were doing, we were looking into a previous sort of scandal that engulfed uh, Speaker Plocker, uh, which involved a constituent management contract. And we had filed records requests regarding that after the clerk of the House sent out a huge memo to 163 members of the House um, arguing that the House shouldn't enter into this contract, that it was a bad idea. We filed a records request to see what sort of conversations were happening behind the scenes on that topic. But one of the pieces uh, that we found in those records, that initial sort of tranche of records, was him uh, asking House administration and the accounts committee to cover the expense of his flight to Hawaii, which 
From that, we looked and compared and saw that his campaign had paid for a trip to Hawaii. So on October 5th, um, I filed a request with the House asking for all of his expense reports, as well as the expense reports for the majority leader and the minority leader. Um, got those records on October 11th and began going through them to compare what he received to what he spent. Um, and that culminated in a story. Uh, the the story you published last week involved multiple incidents, but not all that much money. What I found most interesting about this case, though, is is what it has spawned, particularly the extremely intense reactions that uh, that have now engulfed the speaker, mostly from his fellow Republicans. He one of the first people to speak out after our story. We published it on a Monday evening. Um, by Tuesday. Uh, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft, who's the part, Republican Party frontrunner for governor, was posting on social media saying there needs to be an investigation of this. And if there was wrongdoing, it needs to be dealt with um, soon after that, uh, or actually maybe even before that. But around the same time, a Republican candidate for attorney general named Will Scharf, who's challenging the sitting attorney general, also posted that Speaker Plocker needs to explain himself or he needs to resign. Um, that sparked some pretty fierce pushback from Speaker Plocker, who started attacking the secretary and uh, Mr. Scharf, um, kind of pulling some um, oldies but goodies out of the oppo file <laughs> and attacking them on social media. Um, and there's been some back and forth with that. The, Other Republicans who've spoken up as well to, to demand that he resign, uh, not only as speaker, but from the legislature. He mentioned uh, Jay Ashcroft's dropping out of the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy, which had come up in a 2016 campaign and, of course, occurred much earlier in Jay Ashcroft's life. But um, but it wasn't too long ago for Plocker to, uh, to go back to it. And his campaign basically responded. This is Secretary Ashcroft's campaign of saying that Plocker was lashing out because he got his basically his hand caught in the cookie jar. So that's where we that's sort of where we're at in the back and forth. Um, but as the speaker continued to defend himself and continued to push back, um, just a slow trickle of Republicans started speaking up. There's a handful of uh, Republican members of the House now who are saying that he should step down, at least step down as speaker, if not fully from the legislature. Um, and he gets he's getting hammered by some uh, former members of the conservative caucus in the Senate, who are one of which is now at least considering jumping into the lieutenant governor's race to take on Dean Plocker next year. All of this um, might sound a little resonant for those who've been following the news over the past month out of Washington, D.C. Are we are we looking at a situation here where Missouri Republicans, much like the the National Republican Party, are are breaking down a little bit along uh, lines of division. Uh, are we seeing this sort of situation where uh, their own conflicts, whether they be policy-driven or personality-driven, are making it more difficult for them to govern? Well, two things. One, you know, there's a state rep from Branson named Brian Seitz. He's a Republican, and he actually pointed at the D.C. speaker debacle um, as a reason for supporting Speaker Plocker. He says that he didn't want his party to eat our own and he doesn't want to do to Dean Plocker what's happened in Washington, D.C. Um, so that's one thing. But secondly, I would argue Missouri's sort of been on the cutting edge of this for a few years now. Yeah. Um, you know, the Missouri Senate hasn't functioned properly in two, three years. And it's been these sorts of dividing lines between people who would align with Republican leadership and those that um, would declare themselves members of a conservative caucus. And if you're looking at the dividing lines on this, I mean, it's not as stark, it's not as definitive, but you do have people like Bill Igel, who's running for governor, Bob Onder, who's running for lieutenant governor. Those were the ones that would have been 
you know, uh, derisively, if you want to say, referred to as rabble rousers in the state Senate for years, and that body just hasn't functioned. So, yeah, I think we've already sort of experienced that here. And maybe next year with everybody sort of running against everybody on the 2024 ballot, thanks to term limits, uh, I think you're starting to see it escape Jefferson City and head out onto the campaign trail. So there have been calls, as you mentioned, uh, from at least a, a small number of folks uh, that Speaker Dean Plocker should consider resigning from the Speaker's chair or from office. Is he going to do that? He says absolutely not. Um, you know, he he denies he did anything wrong. Um, he denies that there was any wrongdoing with the constituent management contract. He denies that this, uh, I mean, he, he admits that the, the spending was wrong, but he says he caught it and he's paying it back. Um, he fired one of his, his chief of staff um, earlier this month. He said that that was just a, a basically a staff shakeup as he enters into his final session as speaker. So um, he's showing no indication that he's even considering stepping down from the speakership or obviously resigning from the legislature. If he should be brought down by this, uh, and, and uh, as you say, there's not any indication yet that we're there, um, what happens? Who's next in line to be speaker? Majority Leader John Patterson is, I think it's referred to as the speaker designee, but, you know, the caucus, pretty early on, the Republican caucus starts to pick their next speaker. It's sort of a trying to get the line of secession down. Right. He's supposed so to take if, over in 2025, as it stands right now. Exactly. If everything just goes as it normally would and Dean Plucker makes it to term limits and leaves office, John Patterson would be sworn in as speaker um, when the legislature reconvenes in 2025. But should uh, well, if Dean Plocker was to resign, we can look back just a few years. Um, you know, House Speaker John Deal resigned at the very end of the 2015 session. The party, the caucus gathered um, and they decided to they, they took a vote and they made Todd Richardson, who was at that point the majority leader and was next in line anyway, to become the permanent speaker right away. So there's lots of different ways it could go. They could they could appoint an acting speaker if John Patterson wanted to fill out the remainder of his term as majority leader. Um, but again, this, it is important to note we are nowhere near that discussion because Dean Plocker has made it clear he has no intention of resigning. That was Jason Hancock, editor-in-chief of the Missouri Independent, which you can find at MissouriIndependent.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For Kansas and Missouri government news all week long, you can visit KCUR.org, the online home of Kansas City's NPR station. And don't forget to leave us a review if you can on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening.